Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strong, the president of Paradigm Security Services. And once again, we are excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett Atlanta studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. Each week, as you know, we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. While, while all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we will touch on that and all related aspects of security through the course of each show. Our guest today, I'm glad to have Al Simon. And some of you may know him. He has his own show on this Radio X. That's right. Uh, he is the president and owner of Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what he does for a living as far as training by Simon. That's right. But uh, let's start out with, for those that don't know, who is Al Simon? How would you get to what you're doing and why do you do it? So you don't want me to sing, but there's a long and winding road. Yes, yes. that's true. No yes. singing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was a corporate sales guy, Rick, right from uh, right from um, you know first week out of college. I was a corporate sales guy. Sold cash registers for NCR. That was my first job down in Cha-ching. Yeah, no, exactly. It was the Cha-chings before the whiz bang yeah. electronic stuff. <laughs> it was right when it was changing over to the, that technology. Actually, when I was starting my sales career. And I had a 24-year-old or 24-year sales career. Some of that was sales management, but mostly pure sales. And then in uh, 2001, I left the corporate world and uh, bought this uh, sales training company. So you you bought an existing company. I bought a franchise, a franchise. of an existing. Yeah, Sander Training is a worldwide organization, about 260 or so uh, sites all over the world. Each of those are, are individually owned. So technically it's a licensee. We call ourselves franchisees because it's right. that kind of model. So what uh, I own is the right to use Sandler intellectual property with my clients uh, and primarily in Georgia. So well, that, that sounds pretty good. And you basically work the whole state of Georgia and you're based here in Gwinnett. Yes. And you live here in Gwinnett. I do. And uh, you've been here for long time since 1980 i believe that's a long time that's a long time and yes. with your lovely wife sherry yes who is also runs the company she runs the company <laughs> right she is she is the backbone i mean she does all the financials and the admin and the i mean she systematized everything in our business she's the pretty face to that business now I can tell you that. Yeah, absolutely there is no doubt about that <laughs> nobody's going to argue with you on that on that point yeah. oh it better not yeah. be you anyway that's right but yeah most of our clients are metro atlanta based i mean we do you know we can go anywhere in georgia but there's plenty of business metro atlanta typically our clients are you know, are small to medium-sized businesses usually privately held not always but usually and they have sales teams of anywhere from one or maybe the owner him or herself is doing the selling um, you know, all the way up to, I think our largest client today is like 30 salespeople. So, and, and everything so in between. Yeah. Pretty good. So we work with the managers, we work with the owners, we work with the salespeople, we coach, we train, we build skill sets to get, you know, more opportunities in the pipeline to, uh, 
you know, close more deals. Everybody wants to do that. And, uh, and also to close deals without discounting. These days, that's the huge thing. Well, that covers all my questions. I appreciate yeah. this interview. No, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> well, that, that covers kind of, you know, how did you get to be a Sandler trainer? Yeah. But can you explain a little bit more about what who Sandler Training is or what yes. it is? So Sandler Training is um, uh, is is really um, started as a methodology. You know, David Sandler back in the 1970s uh, started realizing that traditional sales techniques don't work, and that was before even you know email and, and even really before voicemail was really all that big. Uh, people started realizing that prospects can dodge and weave and, and of course the term today is ghosting and uh you know, just go silent on you and so he, he realized that all these tricks and and things that the prospects were doing were because the traditional sales techniques were so bad i mean they were really bad you have a you have one of your i've been through your stuff but on yeah. some other day way and one of the, my favorite things that you show up there is that you use car salesman. <laughs> yes, the picture, yeah, the bling yeah. and all the, yeah, oh, bad wow. haircut. And the, yeah. That's how it used to be. That's yes. how you're not. That's how, that's what we're not. Yeah, it's very, in fact, it, you know, I, I coined a phrase, nurturingly assertive. That's Good. really where we live in, uh, in terms of how we approach our, our prospects. How do you, can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, so it's not aggressive. And it's not wimpy, right? So it's not at either extreme. You know, aggressive selling is where you're pushing too hard, hard sell. That used car salesman. Used car salesman. You know, and today that manifests itself in a lot of ways in like someone flooding your your inbox with email after email, uh, or who you know keeps calling, keeps calling, keeps calling. Um, on the other side, wimpiness means you know the prospect says, "Hey, you know, I'll give you a call sometime next week," and the salesperson says. Okay, I look forward to your call. And you never is, get it. Well, of course not. You know, this, the prospect says that on purpose so that they can get rid of you. And because um, and, and their experience is the salespersons typically say, okay, look forward to your call. And they're surprised as heck when you say, well, that's good, but let me ask you a couple more questions. <laughs> well, you know, you're just being nurturingly assertive. You know, you're turning it around in a nice way. There's not any kind of attitude to it. Exactly. Just making sure that we've got both feet on the ground, and so does the prospect, and let's make a decision that makes sense, and make that decision within a reasonable time frame. And you know, yeah. it's one of those things that if it's a fit, it fits. If it's not a fit, walk away. Walk away. Actually, no when to walk away. Well, that's that is very true. No, no when, but also it just it's just the the willingness to walk away. You've got to be exactly. willing. You can't want this deal so bad you're going to chase it no matter what. That never works out well. Well, yeah. the, the the person that you're trying to sell is going to read that in a hurry, and that's going to tell that's going to kind of push them away to start with, which is yeah certainly not nurturing, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's adversarial, and and it's not a good way to sell. And then the other part of that too is, are we qualifying people, you know, or are we or are we just trying to put as many pr proposals out there as we can? I mean, let's make sure that they're worth our time. You know that they have that they have uh, personal, compelling, emotional reasons to do business with us, and that they have a budget that they're willing and able to invest um, in the short term, and that they have a decision-making process that makes sense for us to go through. I mean, if we're if we're truly qualifying it well, we're not going to start throwing proposals at people who don't qualify to get them, and that's a better use of our time and efforts. 
Well, I know a lot of people uh, that are in the sales have a tendency to be afraid to ask them what their budget is. And, it, yes. and that's something that's it's important to know. Yes. They may not be able to afford what you have from the get-go, or at least they may think that they can't afford what you have from yes. the get-go. So it's a matter of qualifying and finding out everything yes. that you can about them to know there again whether you're that fit or not and that's one of the things I've, I've picked up the most is about that qualifying yes and and the, and the reason why many salespeople do not ask those questions they're afraid of the answer well yeah so they're like one of our clients that we both know says they're smoking hopium <laughs> they're hoping <laughs> that the prospect can come up with the money but if it's if they can't see people prospects often want to know stuff from the salesperson just because they're curious or maybe for next year or the year after or someday or the next person that they're going to talk to or the next person they're going to talk to or they have an incumbent that is it's renewal time and they exactly. want that renewal price to go down so they got to have leverage so they tell a, another vendor salesperson that they got a chance to win their business when they don't but all they want is that quote so they can show it to the incumbent that comes up a lot with the security business does it because generally where you have where you go into a client they already have security so what you're doing is you're you're showing them through your presentation not necessarily giving them everything you got but kind of letting them know that there's a better way to do things absolutely and theirs is not necessarily the best way to do it. Absolutely. Well, it depends on your business model. If your business model to be, is to be the low-cost provider, hey, that's a valid business model. But you certainly don't need your salespeople trained by me. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> All you got to do is just cut your prices. You're going to win. But, uh, you know, so most of my clients, probably all of my clients, that's not their model. Their model is to give premium service, premium products, quality stuff, and they have to compete against the low-cost providers. For a reasonable providers. price. Well, that's right. A and price the key that makes is reasonable. Sense. Exactly. It doesn't mean cheap. It doesn't mean cheap. Yep. And uh, most of the time, if you have your better services that you're really looking for, it's it's the person that wants a $25 security officer but only wants to pay $5 an hour for them. Hey, who doesn't want that? Oh, that's right. great, man. The problem me. is if you're only going to pay 5 bucks, you're going to get the $5 <laughs> security well, you're officer. Get, you're going to get the 250 security <laughs> officer by the time you figure in all the expenses. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, you know, it, it's a matter of, you know, everybody's got to be reasonable with what they want on the table. Yes. But sometimes they don't really know what they want. Yes. And it's just like with any prospect, a lot of times they don't really know what they want. Exactly. They've got this thing in their head, but sometimes it takes the willingness of that salesperson to get down to the meat of it and get them to clarify what they really want, which is your pain. And yes. And if, really if the salesperson it. has a hard time, you know, in their headspace, what we call head trash. Right. Or, you know, the, I think psychologists call it self-limiting beliefs. Yes. It's head trash. Uh, I, you know, a lot of times we have to help them to develop five seconds of guts. You know, they're in that conversation with the prospect, and they got to have five seconds of guts to ask the tough question. And then a little later, five more seconds of guts to ask the next tough question. And, and a lot of times the biggest roadblock is those conceptual things inside the, pro, the uh, salesperson's head. A lot of times it's just technique. They just don't know how to ask the question. They're perfectly willing to, to ask it, but they just don't know how they to don't ask know how. It. So we're working on both sides of that, the, the conceptual roadblocks and the technical roadblocks to executing a good, solid sales call. So it's really, it's not just one thing or two things. It's a process. Absolutely. And it's a process that you go through, and it takes time to go through that process of learning. It does, which is another problem that I have. 
because most of my prospects think that the, you can do a half-day workshop and all will be well. Let's do a little lunch and learn here, and then you've yes. taught all my people, and then you go away, and my people will just do great. Yes, and mm-hmm. that'll work for two weeks, and then they'll go back to what they're used to. Absolutely. And you've wasted your money to hire me for a half a day. Yes, uh, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. To- totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Well, kind of give me an idea of who are your clients? Who, what type of clients do you service? Yes. What do you consider it's prospects? interesting. I've already mentioned, you know, they're, you know, they're typically privately held businesses, Metro Atlanta based with uh, sales teams anywhere from one to whatever. But, you know, I ask, I get asked all the time, you know, is there a particular vertical you work in, you know, a particular kind of, of prospect? And, you know, it's not really. I mean, we've got, we've got IT companies, we've got professional services companies, we've got wealth advisors, we've got, you know, software providers, you security know, companies, we've got security companies, we've got HVAC uh, companies, uh, you know, commercial and, and residential. We've got, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's every, it's, it's not a, the product, it's, it's the process. It is. It it works pretty much with any process, whether it be uh, something that you're selling physical or a service. Yeah. The same process works for all of it. It does. It does. It's a methodology, a way of thinking. A lot of people uh, say to me all the time, you know, that other Sandler or other, I'm sorry, other sales programs teach you how to sell. Sandler teaches you how to think, which is. That's. A big difference. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty apropos, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That you know, yeah. And a lot of people. I know back many years ago when I was uh, a youngster, and I, I used to sell door-to-door uh, insurance for a combined insurance company of America. It was accident mm-hmm. policies, that type of stuff. You had to go through a school, but you learned everything by script. You had all the rebuttals, probably twenty, twenty-five rebuttals that you had to memorize. And it it was a chore to get it done, but yeah. anytime if you did it well enough, anytime anybody said something, you already knew exactly what to say, and that's not necessarily the best way to do it. If you can't think, you got a problem. Yes. So scripts don't work. We don't we we don't teach scripts. Scripts do not work. Um, we teach uh, we teach templates, methodologies. And then we help our clients in our one-on-one coaching to come up with what their scenarios might be and the kinds of customized templates that they may need for their world. What would you What would you say is the the average type of person that does well in sales? I know this is kind of a it's kind of a hard question to put. It may be a hard question to answer, but I guess yeah. it's more the thought process. What type of personality makes a really good salesperson? You know, of course, the, the stereotype is that, you know, a person has the gift of gab, is very outgoing, and and uh, can talk your ear off. You know, you've heard all those phrases, right, for the stereotypical Doesn't know how to listen, just yeah. knows how to talk. Listen? What's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just talk. Uh, but that's not necessarily the best type of person for sales. And, and, you know, I've got engineering clients, as an example, and, and they're very good because engineers are naturally curious, so they're going to ask questions. They're going to do it. And we, we have to ask questions. Um, and and then, then they're going to fix the problem, which is awesome. So find out ex- everything you can about, the, about what that prospect is looking for and why they're looking for it and what the impact it has on them personally right now. And that takes a bunch of questions. And then, you know, again, do they have a budget? Or, is it, or if it's a project-based thing, is it funded? Or when, when do you expect it to be funded? Or when do you expect to get the budget? And then, you know, once you get them completely qualified – then someone who's asking a lot of questions and, and is, is, is naturally curious, or maybe unnaturally curious, but we teach them how to, 
how to ask the questions. Then when they show their solution, it's going to be perfect fit because they'll know exactly what that prospect needs and their own expertise in their field along with their knowledge of that prospect is a very powerful combination. So I don't to answer your question, Rick, I don't know that there is a stereotype or an archetype person that we're looking for. So really pretty much anybody that's willing to learn and is willing to have an open mind um, that can, is the can be a salesperson. That is the key, especially if they've been selling a while. You know, because, and that was my problem. When I first came across Sandler back in 1999, I'd already been a salesperson for 22 years. You had a way of doing it. I had my way of doing it. And I wasn't necessarily open to new stuff, even though I wasn't that good a salesperson, although I thought I was. Of course. <laughs> but I wasn't that good. I've heard you tell me. Yeah, I really wasn't. I was an order taker. I was in a great territory. The phone was ringing, and I thought that my numbers I was putting up were because I was good. They were not. I was an order taker. Well, you know, you make a good point there. You talk a lot about order takers. Yes. And a lot of people think that, well, I'm a good salesperson as long as I get that get that signature on the piece of paper. Yeah. Which sometimes sometimes may be good, but being an order taker, somebody that's there sitting at the phone waiting on the business to come in, you may be doing well for a while, but eventually you're going to have to get out and work at selling someone. And you brought up a point that a lot of times the reason that that person buys is personal. That pain may be personal to that person yes. is the reason they're looking for a change or looking for something that they need. Yeah. Or they're thinking about making a change because it's a personal problem or personal pain they have, not necessarily all business. Exactly. People buy emotionally is what we say. Then they justify their decision intellectually. There's always that process. and. A personal impact of an issue is what makes people take action. That's what gets them to move on it. So I'm setting my ways, 1999, and, you know, and all of a sudden I learn about this Sandler stuff, and I'm resisting it because it's not what I do. And it took me a while to wrestle through that. So now when I have clients that have been in sales a while and they're struggling with change, I understand. I, I've been there. I know what it's like. You give me someone who's fairly new in sales, and then they're much easier. Uh, it's much easier for them to take the Sandler methodology and mindset and and improve quickly. Well, and you you talk a lot about when you're going through your uh, information and your process. You talk a lot about the trust, developing trust, being that expert. So, can you? How do you develop trust in somebody? Well, it's not chit chat. You know, you don't walk into their office and say, oh, are those nice, pictures of your nice family? fish on the wall? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you catch that selfish yourself? Yeah, it's not that. You know, every salesperson that walks into that office and talks sees that, that selfish fish. talks about the fish. Every person and the next person that walks into my office looks at the pictures and says, oh, is that your family? I'm going to say, no, no, those pictures came with the frames. I love the frames because <laughs> as my you, dad used to say, <laughs> my dad used to say, a stupid question deserves a stupid answer. Right? I mean, but it's not chit chat. We develop, and, and there's a process. We, you, you develop uh, trust in your prospect by first developing the sense that that they are comfortable communicating with you, whether that's face to face, phone, email, however. Uh, they've got to get comfortable at first communicating with you, and eventually the trust comes. And so they're a particular 
uh, techniques, concepts that we teach our clients to use that are rooted in the world of psychology. I mean, real science stuff uh, that works to get people to feel comfortable communicating with them and eventually to trust them. And be a trusted advisor. That's the, uh, that's the holy grail, right? That, you know, that's the end of the rainbow of that process of developing trust. So developing comfort first, then trust, then trusted advisor. And, that, and when, you, when you're a trusted advisor, it's a cool place. Yeah, then you, then you feel comfortable. And, but more importantly, the client feels comfortable. Yeah, you I, become a part of a team rather than being a vendor. Exactly. I, one of my clients called me up and said, I'm there. I said, great. What's there? <laughs> he said, I'm trusted advisor. I said, how do you know? He said, because my client called me, told me what he wanted, didn't ask the price, didn't put it out to bid, just said, ship it. Awesome. And that was the first time that it happened with that client. Up to, up to that point, it had always been, been Question going out to bid and, can, hey, can he match this price? And, oh, I don't know, that's a little bit more than we were hoping to spend. And, you know, and, and all the yeah, all the bargaining and bartering. Exactly. Well, what would you say is the biggest challenges for salespeople today? Oh man, there are so many. It's it's so hard. We had a we had our annual uh, sales conference last week in Orlando, and one of the keynote speakers was a market researcher from the Forrester Group, and he was talking about how uh, today seventy five percent of all sales are done indirectly, not by direct salespeople through channels like distributors, dealers, and of course e-commerce. And, uh, and he was talking about how you know, in the, the profession of sales is going to have to get better in order to differentiate because prospects want to make you a commodity. So we have to get better. And a lot of salespeople that are, have sales jobs today are not going to have those same jobs in 10 years. Those jobs will all be on the Internet. You know, it'll all be e-commerce. Um, according to him. And I, I believe that a lot of what he said is actually true. I mean, the trends clearly show that people go on the internet first and they research you. And so by the time the salesperson shows up, they already have invested on average 30 minutes At of least. research. And, um, and so they know a lot already. And of course, then they expect the salesperson to fill in the blanks on that first call and then to send over a quote or proposal. And then, um, don't bother me. I'll get back to you when I get back to you. And so controlling the deal, bottom line, controlling the deal is the biggest challenge. And, of course, it, not being in control of the deal manifests itself in, hey, can you lower your price? Or even just pure silence because they're not returning phone calls or emails. We call that ghosting. Those are huge challenges today. Uh, salespeople have to be on their game. They have to be in control. We've got mechanisms in our methodology for salespeople to stay in control without impeding that rapport that they need to build the comfort and the trust. Because if I wrest control from you, Rick, you're going to feel it, you know, right? And that's going to re reduce the rapport we have. You're going to get resistance. Exactly. And, and you're not going to feel as good about me, not as comfortable with me, and, and so you're not going to trust me. And it's all about comfort. It, it is. It is. People buy from people. That's an axiom that's still true in most professional selling. People buy from people. Yeah, and people that they trust. And they trust Eventually, the people that they yeah. buy. So there's, yeah, they got more than one choice. Yeah. Yep, it's gonna, they're going to pick that one. Exactly. Well, you know, moving on from the salespeople, a lot of sales managers come to you to go through th this process of learning. Yes. And to teach their people 
What would you say are some of the big biggest challenges for the sales managers and why they might want to come to, to Sandler? Biggest one that we're seeing these days seems to be hiring the right people. I'm boarding them. Uh, oh, man, Rick, I'm boarding is so important. So many people are hired, and after three, six months, the, the hiring manager thinks they made a bad hiring decision when really the person's got skills. They just had a poor onboarding process. They never learned the industry well enough. They didn't uh, get the feel for what kind of prospects to go after well enough. Uh, they didn't, you know, it's the shotgun uh, approach. It's, yeah, so, uh, um, so I think to answer your question, hiring managers today need to focus on getting obviously the right candidates and not just uh, thinking that, they, well, the interview went great, let's hire this person. I mean, you've got to be a lot more scientific than that. We've got to take a look at competencies and behaviors and we've got to really look at people and make sure they're the right people for us. And then we've got to onboard them well. We really need to spend resources, effort to onboard them well, to, to equip them to succeed. And I think a lot of times, especially in small businesses, uh, because everybody's so busy wearing a bunch of hats, that the onboarding process tends to get shortened. Yeah. Yeah, they're looking, they're looking to fill a spot. Yeah. Uh, and they're hoping that that person will be good for the spot. Yes. But right now they need somebody in that spot. Yes. So, you know, I, I, can, I can appreciate that and I empathize with it tremendously. But when you're looking at your people, then your upper management especially, you really got to look at the overall person. You can't look at just – you can't even look at where the background is because their background doesn't really mean that's the kind of person they are. It means what their resume says – and, and who wrote that? And who wrote that? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah. it, it, you really got to take, and I know you have a lot of tools, and I think it's, it's, I think that's the best way to put it. You've got a big toolbox, and you've got a lot of tools in there that you can use to weed out the bad ones and come closer to making sure that what you're asking for, what you're looking for, is what you've got sitting in front of you. Yeah, a lot of times that interview was the best sales call that person ever made. And it just goes, you know, it goes down from there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, a little plug for you. I mean, you do background checks for a lot of my clients when they're hiring, and, and you, you need to do that. Everybody needs to do that. You've got to do background checks. Got to. Well, you know, it's a security issue when you're hiring someone and bringing them in. Mm. Uh, you've got to know that this person is not just honest today, but that he has been honest pretty much his whole life, and that you're not bringing in somebody that's going to cause you problems that you weren't expecting right so you got to know something about this person more than just what they put on their resume leopards don't lose their spots and grow stripes yeah, exactly yes so let's just say why would anyone go and invest in training and coaching when their salespeople are typically tenured and or even worth they turn over quickly yes there are um, stats for that too the average salesperson uh, stays with their current company somewhere between two and three years. Is that just because they get tired of doing it or they get tired of them doing it um, or both? I guess probably both. I mean, <laughs> I'm, Harvard Business Review did a study about this, and I, I don't remember exactly what all the, the – this has been several years ago. I read the article. But there's lots of good reasons why these days – and I think you know a lot of it has to do with the millennial mindset. You know, they they are, they're always you know they're looking for a good experience in life, and uh, and I've heard something the other day that seems to be true too. People don't quit jobs; they quit bosses. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that a lot yeah. too. So again, the onboarding and the paying attention, 
by the managers that is so so important. So anyway, people do say, okay, well, if, if they're gonna only going to be with me three years, why should I spend money to train them only to have them leave? And, uh, of course, the great comeback is, well, don't spend money on training them and, and, and hope they don't stay. <laughs> <laughs> or if we don't spend money, what if they do stay? What if they do stay? Yeah, so uh, you got to invest in your people. you got to. you got to build skill sets. People have to be sharp. Like we said, uh, you know, in order to win, because sales is a fine-edge business, in order to win, you have to have the edge. And the edge might be in a particular mindset. It might be in a particular technique. It might be in a particular behavior. It could be different on every single deal. Uh, real sales pros who understand what they're doing understand the nuances of the sales game. And they don't. And their favorite phrase is not anywhere close to, well, Rick, the way I always do it is. <laughs> I mean, that is not a good thing That's for a salesperson. Not a good presentation. No, no. And, yeah. and a lot of times you've got to answer that question, well, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. So how do you approach that, you know? You've got to be able to learn, well, how do you answer that? You know, yeah. how's it working for you? Yeah. <laughs> You're looking to change, so no, how's it working? I asked a, uh, in a sales call, I asked a, a, an owner, I said, uh, so how do you get your new business? And he said, well, we get a lot of referrals. I said, oh, so you you and your sales team, you're asking for referrals. And he said, no, we get a lot of referrals. So his mindset. Yeah, so what's that mean? Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, if you asked, you'll get so much more. Yeah. But he's happy with the inbound leads, and, and he's happy with his sales team not being proactive to get more business. So, okay, that's a mindset. It's out there. Yeah. And, and I did not convince him otherwise. All right? Well, you know, there are going to be – well, that's where you have to be able to qualify it and know when to stop is if you've got a person that is absolutely set, you're not going to change them. Once you figure it out that there's nothing that you can say that's going to change that mindset, then you got to know when to walk away. Yep. When Which to I close did. that book and put the file <laughs> in the back, you know, put it in the shredder, yeah. or put it back to maybe check back with later and see, have you changed your mind yet? How's it working for and you? It's amazing how many of those that you walk away from do reopen later because those personal component emotional reasons to do business don't go away without being addressed they're still there they called you for a reason they called you for a reason that right. reason's not going to go away when just because you walk out the door and you talk to them a little bit exactly so yeah and that's kind of the way we do it we'll, we'll mm -hmm. somebody say well we've got so and so we're gonna you know we can get this for a cheaper price so, well you know if that that's fine if, if that's what you want is the cheaper price let me know how it works for you. If you if you find out it doesn't work the way that, to be honest with you, I believe it's going to work for you, then just give us a call back. We'll come back out. We'll revisit it, and we'll see what we can do about getting you which taken is, care of. Which is a breath of fresh air to the prospect because they're used to the salesperson that won't give up. Pounds and pounds Was and taught pounds. To not, you know, to be, you know, bulldog persistent and never give up, which is the worst thing you can do with someone uh, and, and build rapport with them, build trust with them. So one of my clients was talking about, a deal where he was working and uh, and it was costing the prospect. This issue that they were trying to fix was costing the prospect thirty five thousand dollars a month. And the prospect said at the end of a, of this discovery conversation, the prospect said to the salesperson, "Well, you know, this is really good. You give me a lot to think about. Uh, we'll probably revisit this in the in the third quarter." And the salesperson said, "I'm confused." You told me it's costing you thirty-five thousand dollars a month, right? 
and third quarter is at least four months away, right? So are you telling me that you're willing to throw away over a hundred thousand dollars? That you've got other priorities that are are that you're better off ha- you having your time on? Are you telling me that? It's okay if you are. I just want to know. Just so that you can see if it works. And the prospect said, you know what, you're right. Let's do it now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Answer. Nurturingly assertive. I'm telling you, it works. Nurturingly assertive works. Yeah. Well, and that's something a lot of people have just got to learn. Um, yeah. And I know firsthand that it's hard to do sometimes. Um, this this time has gone by so fast. I got one more question I want to ask you. What makes Sandler methodology so effective? We've kind of hit on pieces of it, but in the end, what is it about Sandler that makes it really effective? You know, the uh, the intellectual property or the best practices is probably a better way of saying it. You know, get continually updated by you know, all 300 of us around the world because we're doing the same thing our clients do. We're out there getting business. We're out there being proactive. We're, you know, we're eating our own dog food, so to speak. So we're out there doing all this stuff so we know what's working and what's not working. We share it with each other. We share it with our clients. Uh, so we're always up to date on what is best practice in sales and sales management. That's one thing. The other thing is we, we touched on earlier about, you know, it's not a seminar. It's not a half-day workshop and then, hey, you know, go get them, buddy. See you next year. It's real training. Yeah, we call it we call it reinforcement model. So we're doing bits of training and bits of coaching and bits of podcasts and videos and and tools over time. So we you know, our typical clients with us maybe five six years, and um, and we're building skill sets and 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 building on skill sets and building on skill sets to make sure that true behavior change happens, and therefore true growth happens. And most of our, our competitors don't do it that way. They do the half-day workshops. Yep. Uh, I'm very familiar with, with them, yeah. and they don't work. Um, one of the things that we'd like to talk about next time you come on is to find out more about the coaching process. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the, the training part of it, but there's an even bigger piece of it with the coaching that you all take care of, which is – a lot is much more in depth than one on one and working with people. So I'd yeah. like to talk with you sometime about the coaching. Okay, let's give them a teaser on that. Go uh, ahead. What coaching is not is telling your salesperson what you think they should do. That's not coaching. And that's what a lot of people think coaching is. Is here's what you know. Okay, I see that. Here's where you went wrong. Yes. This is what you're doing that you shouldn't do. Yeah, that good point. Yeah. So that's a little teaser of things to come. Here we right. go. Sounds good. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on, of course, Case in Point. Join us next week at 1130 when we will talk with the business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. I want to ask you one more question before I finally before I finish it out. I know you've got some numbers, some websites, and so forth. If people want to get in touch with your company and or Al Simon, how would they do that? I appreciate the question. Yeah, so it's it's simoninc.sandler.com, right? So Simon S I M O N Inc I N C dot Sandler S A N D L E R dot com, or you can just call me seven seven zero. 312-2043. One more time. 770-312-2043. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again, Al Simon, for being uh, here with us today and uh, great information. 
And I want to thank our producers, Mike and Trey. I'm Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.